right. Would you please take the Word of God with me and turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus and chapter 20. <clears throat> Exodus and chapter 20. I mentioned when we gave an introduction to the Ten Commandments, one of the ways in which we were instructed is that the commandments address both the divine and the human relationships. Uh, the commandments that primarily concern men's relationship with God, if you noted, are all given first. The first four commandments have to do with the man's relationship to God. The last six commandments have to do with man's relationship to his fellow man. And so our relationship to God, by the way, must always come first. And our primary attention must be found in the first four commandments. And we may say that the relationship with our fellow man will only be right when our relationship with God is right. And I hope that we know that to be true. We're reminded of 1 John 4.20 that says, If a man say, I love God, but hateth his brother, he is a liar. And so what does he do here? He goes back to, you have to go back to loving God. See, the problem is not with man. You may say you love God, but if you hate your brother, you're a liar. That means you don't love God. Because here it's someone who says, I hate my brother. They're honest about that part. They're not honest about the fact that they love God. Because if they loved God, they would love their brother. And so those four, first four commandments are foundational. If we get those right, I believe that the remaining six commandments would take care of themselves. As I've said often, when God has His rightful place in our lives, everything else in our lives will have its rightful place. In the first four commandments, if you remember... We talked about the object of our worship. God is to be our exclusive God. No other gods. In the second commandment, we talked about the manner of our worship that God is to be exalted. He is not to be brought down to man's level. In the third commandment, we talked about the sincerity of our worship that God is to be esteemed and He should not be spoken of lightly. And the fourth commandment is the importance or the priority of worship that God is to be essential. And then the life of God's people ought to be ordered, structured around God. Now if we get those right, then the other ones, the other commandments with regards to man will take care of themselves. As I mentioned, it is interesting to note what is mentioned first in the second set of commandments. Now, uh, there is a divine order. God's commandments come first, and then the commandments with regards to man come second, but then we have to consider the order. Now, whether this is true or not with regards to every single commandment, I do believe that there is a reason why the first commandment with regards to man has a specific command at attention, and that is, honor thy father and thy mother. You see, the Lord begins here, and we'll read in just a moment, with really, if you think about it, the first relationship of man. 
When a child enters into this world, the very first relationship he has is his relationship with his parents. And we might say that therefore that relationship is foundational to all other relationships. Because then he says, right, don't uh, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. And so there's a, an interesting instruction here that the first commandment is about the first relationship that a human being has when he comes into this world, and that, that is the relationship between a parent and a child. And we also notice that in that first relationship, we might say that it is a pattern in which all, it sets forth a pattern by which all other relationships are developed. Now the first commandment, interestingly, again this is preliminary, is not addressed to the authority figure. Right? Rather it is addressed to the subordinate. Notice, honor thy father and thy mother. It doesn't say, father, you need to do this. No, it says, you as a, as a child need to honor thy father and thy mother. And so the first commandment is not addressed to the authority, rather it is addressed to the subordinate. So here, children, look up here for just a second. That commandment is primarily for you tonight. It's for you. Now obviously we are all children. We have parents. Uh, they could be biological or they could be adoptive parents, but they're parents nonetheless. But as we read here, as I've mentioned in all the other commandments, that we are interested not just in the letter of the law, but in the spirit of the law. And so we're going to try to dig in into this commandment and see what this commandment is all about. So let's stand together for the reading of God's Word, if you are able, this evening. We're going to begin again as we've done in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1. Read down to verse 12. And the Word of God says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments." Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gate. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now before we read verse 12, I mentioned that commandment number, four, uh, number 5 is addressed to the children, to the subordinate. But if you remember the Sabbath day, he commanded the parents not to allow their children to work on the Sabbath day either. So that was the responsibility to bring their children in the right way, showing the Lord is a priority. Verse 12, Honor thy father 
and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. All right, now, children, the commandment says, Honor thy father and thy mother. So I'm going to have all the children say that together. Ready? You can say that. I'm going to say it, then you repeat. Ready? Honor thy father and thy mother. Go ahead. All right, good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this evening for your word. We ask that you would instruct us according to your word and by your spirit. Lord, help us to gain an understanding of the spirit of this commandment. Not to limit the commandment to the letter and to the the obvious application, although that is an important one. Uh, Lord, help us to Make some changes in our lives where it is necessary and demanded of your word. And may our heart's desire be that we might be holy because you are holy. And we know that that is what we have been elected for, to be holy, to be like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we ask your blessing on the study of your word this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to preach a message I've entitled this evening. Here's a fancy title for you. Honor thy father and thy mother. <laughs> As we look into the study here of this commandment, I'm going to begin here with really some of the basics, and then we're going to try to move in a logical way into the spirit of the law so that we see that this is actually not just for children, although it is. But we're going to find that it is for all of us. And by the way, so are all the commandments. But as we begin, let me begin by asking a series of questions. The first one is, what were the consequences? How important is this commandment? And what were the consequences of violating this fifth commandment? We don't have to go too far to find out. If you notice with me in Exodus chapter 21, notice in verse 15, just the very next chapter, He says this, And he that smiteth his father or his mother, children, that means to hit, to strike, he that smiteth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. That's quite severe, isn't it? You go down to verse 17, he says, And he that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Now, immediately what we notice, it doesn't take very long to think about the the consequences and the importance of this fifth commandment. That to break this fifth commandment, to violate the law of God in this commandment, brought the severest of consequences. The most severe of consequences would be death. We saw that the violation of the other commandments, the first four commandments, would also bring forth the consequence of death. And so what we learn immediately is this is very important to God. This is not something that we ought to uh, loosely think about. We ought to consider this to be very important because God declares the consequences of breaking that commandment to be the most severe of consequences. Now, as we think about that commandment, therefore we make the statement that this is a very important commandment to God. 
Now, sometimes when we are on the subordinate end, we are in the children position, and, and children, it was not too long that I was a child. I had parents, and I was your age, and that's not too long ago. And there are some times when I hear my parents say, Obey your parents, for this is right, and they would quote the scriptures. And something inside of me said, I don't like the fact that they use the Bible to put me in line. And uh, that's human nature. And the truth is sometimes as a child you don't like when your father or your mother tell you to do something and there's something inside of you and you may not verbalize it outwardly, but in your heart you verbalize it. And I want you to know that this is not, this commandment is not given because the parents think it's important. This commandment is given because God thinks it's important. Very important. Now, as we think about the spirit of the law and the, the letter of the law, we, we go to the New Testament. If you hold your place here and go with me to Matthew chapter 15, uh, I want to ask you a second question, and, and that is, how had the scribes and the Pharisees taught the people to basically nullify this fifth commandment? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. There was, during the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, there was much debate around the law around how the, what the law meant and how the law was interpreted. And Jesus Christ, on a number of occasions, would refer to the law and says, Have ye not read? Or he would say, It is written. And often, he says, You've added rules, you've added the traditions of men, and as a consequence, you have nullified, you've made void the commandments of God. One of those was in this fifth commandment. Notice with me, Matthew 15, and... Um, Let's just begin reading in verse 1, just to look at the context and the discussion here. Matthew 15, verse 1. Then came, Jesus, uh, then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying... Now, the scribes and the Pharisees at that time were the religious authority. If you wanted to know what the Scripture says, they would be the ones to go to. They would give you the interpretation. They would tell you what was right and what was wrong. Here's what he says in verse 12, 2. They ask a question. Why do thy disciples transgress... The tradition of the elders. For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye all transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? So notice, you can break a commandment of God by adding traditions to the commandment of God. Verse 4, For God commanded, now notice the commandment that he hones in on. Verse 4, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother... And he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. So notice he quotes both Exodus 20 and Exodus 21. Not only the commandment, but then the consequences of breaking that commandment. Here's what is in verse 5. But ye say, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Now let me give an explanation of what he's talking about. The law required in the Old Testament, the law required that a son honor his parents. Among other things, uh, that he should provide for the needs of his father or his mother in their old age, if they came suddenly upon poverty or if they came upon distress. The Jewish teachers came along and said that it was important for man 
to dedicate his property to God. It was more important for him to dedicate his property to God than to provide for the needs of his parents. They had added a tradition. Once a son had dedicated his property as a gift to God, it could not be returned to the son. And so if a father in his old age and in his distress asked his son for aid and for help, the son could reply to his father, well, it's devoted to God. Whether it be a land, whether it be a possession, he would say, it's a gift. I can't give it to you. I can't help you because I've devoted this gift, this portion to God. And so this property which you need, Father, and by which you might be profited by me is Corbin. That's the word that he uses there. It's a gift. I have given it to God, therefore I can't give it to you. Uh, and so what the scribes and the Pharisees were teaching is, basically, you are released as a son from being under the obligation of honoring your parents. That's what they had taught. So to honor their father and the mother, here's what the scribes and the Pharisees provided. They provided a way to break the commandment by the traditions of men. By the way, it didn't have to be dedicated. By the way, who would be the recipients of a gift dedicated to God? The scribes and the Pharisees. <laughs> it was for them. That, that's what their interest was. Remember, they are the ones who would partake of the gifts that were brought. It, the, in the Old Testament, the tithe, the 10% was brought to the tabernacle. And the Levites would be the one who would partake in that gift. And they would be the recipients of that. And, and no one else. And so notice here, they're, they're twisting the law. They're adding traditions to basically make the commandment of God null and void. Now, we are reminded that the Bible says, He that provideth not for his own is worse than an infidel. That's what Paul said. And that originates really in the, the Old Testament and how a son and a, uh, was to take care of his parents. And so, uh, this is how bad the scribes and the Pharisees had taught the people to transgress the, the fifth commandment. And Jesus confronted them on that, and they were to be blamed. Now, let's go back to Exodus chapter twenty. And let's talk about what this commandment means. And let's try to dig in a little bit into the spirit of the law. What does it mean as we look at the commandment? The Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother. So let's begin with what does it mean to honor? The word really honor means, or we might say does not mean, that an individual is commanded to blindly honor and obey a person by virtue of his authority and his age. That's not what this commandment is about. For example, we know in Leviticus chapter 19 verse 3, the Bible says, Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbath. I am the Lord your God. When we think about honor, or maybe the word he uses in Leviticus 19.3, fear, it means basically to hold in high esteem, to reverence, and to respect. In other words, it, it, the idea here is that you hold someone in high regard. It is maintaining respect and obedience to, here's the key, to God-appointed, God-given authority. That's what this commandment is about. Uh, and so a parent by the child should be respected, should be honored, should be reverenced. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us should be 
obeyed. That's what the commandment is about, to honor. Now, let me be very clear here, uh, children, that if you honor your father and your mother, when you do that, you are honoring God. But if you dishonor your father or your mother, you are at the same time dishonoring God. These are not the commandments of men. They are the commandments of God. And a violation of every commandment is disobedience first to God. And so this, when we think about honoring thy father and thy mother, it's really more about honoring God than it is about honoring our fellow men. Now, I want to... Be careful in the idea when we think about honoring because it doesn't mean, as I mentioned, that um, an individual is commanded to blindly obey a person by virtue of his authority. If a father or mother tells their child to do something wrong, to lie, the child ought not to do it. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. You remember when Jesus Christ was... Many people came to Jesus Christ and they would ask Jesus Christ about following Him and what it would take to follow Him. And often Jesus Christ knew what the individual was struggling with and He would often point, pinpoint something to say, I want you to do this. And it was different for different men. For example, when the rich ruler came, remember what Jesus told him? He says, well, sell all your riches and come and follow me. And He wouldn't do it. He knew that that was specifically His problem. There was another time in Luke chapter 9, verse 57 that somebody wanted to come after the Lord Jesus Christ and He says, well, before I come, let me bury my father. And Jesus says, no, let the dead bury their dead. Come and follow me. Now, He knew what the issue was and it's different for different men that there's something that kept them from giving God the priority, they decided to give the priority to something or to someone else. And so in Luke 9.57, the man says to Jesus, Suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. I don't think that here Jesus is teaching that you ought not to honor if your father passes away. But obviously there was something in his mind and in his heart because Jesus knew his heart that he used, he used the idea of honoring his father as an excuse to not follow God. And that's what the issue is. And Jesus dealt with individuals on what was the substance of the issue in their lives. And he pinpointed it. Uh, later in Luke chapter 14, Jesus says this, If any man come after me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters... Uh, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, that's a hard... By the way, when Jesus said that, a lot of people left, <laughs> among other things. Uh, you see, what he is saying here is that any... We're talking about the commandment, honor thy father and thy mother, but what Jesus is saying is devotion to parents must never challenge our devotion to God. Devotion to parents should never challenge our devotion to God. But here's what we do. By the way, that's what the flesh does. It uses one commandment against another. That's what we naturally do. Um, and so here, this well, I'm, I have to honor my father, and so therefore I'm not going to serve God. No, no, no. We should never use our devotion to parents to de challenge our devotion to God. And so our duty is to honor God 
first, and the responsibility of honoring parents is secondary to honoring God. That's why the first four commandments have to do with God. They come first. Then, once, by the way, the first commandments are about what? Honoring God, all four of them. Now, once we honor God, then we can move to the secondary relationships where we must be honored. And so honor does not mean that you become dependent, indebted, or obligated to parents. Let me put it this way. We live by the principles of God's Word. So let me put it this way. One of the ways in which a son in the Old Testament could honor his father and his mother was if suddenly his father came into poverty, that it was the responsibility of the son to take care of his father or his mother. Uh, Let's say a father passed away, uh, his mother had had no way to care for herself, that he was, his responsibility was to take care of his mother. And so that that, that was according to the law, and so that that, that was specific, but uh, the, the law mentioned that this is sudden and it is unexpected, And so when we think about that, it is not, the command does not apply if, well, your father, he is reckless, and he is a drunk, and he is a drug addict, and he asks you for money and you give it to him. Absolutely not. That is not not honoring. That is not honoring at all. As a matter of fact, to honor means to do what is right. And so if somebody has come to poverty on their own, by their own doing and their own foolishness, it is not the responsibility in that case just to take the fifth commandment blindly and to say, well, I'll give it to you, whatever you need, despite their folly. That is not what is intended by this. And so honor does not mean to become dependent, to become indebted, or to be obligated. No, no. Honor thy father and thy mother the one who is responsible is the one who is subordinate, not the other way around. The parent cannot demand honor. It can only be delivered. It cannot be demanded. And so sometimes parents, they use their authority as a way to get their children to basically be slaves and servants to them. And that is not the intent of that commandment. Again, the commandment, when we talked about, remember what I talked about in the marriage series, when you come to Ephesians chapter 5, when he says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husband, notice that commandment is not given to the husband, it's given to the wife. And when he says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, that commandment is meant to give, given to the husband, not the wife. And so in other words, the idea here is that when we think about a command, the command is that the wife, wife must submit to God and fulfill her duty, just as the husband is to submit to God and fulfill his duty. And it is not for the husband to impose that on his wife or for the wife to impose that on her husband. They each have their own responsibility to obey God. But it can only be delivered. It cannot be demanded. And so it is for this commandment. Honor thy father and thy mother. That commandment is not given to the authority. It is given to the subordinate. Now, honoring parents does not obligate you to do that which is against God. I told my children already, and they know this. Um, We've had a discussion, and I guess it's about uh, teaching my children how to think already. But I, I told my children that, you know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that a wise man leaveth his children an inheritance. 
And I told my children, if you're not going to serve God, you're not getting an inheritance. I'm not going to turn over God's money to somebody that's going to waste it for the things of this world. Now some people will say, well, that's, that's, that's mean, that's, that's not right. No, I believe that's abiding by the principle of God's Word. I am a steward of what God has entrusted to me. And I'm going to make sure that when I leave this world, I'm going to entrust what God has entrusted me to somebody who is dependable and trustworthy. So understand, when we think about the commandments, we are not to carry out the commandments in a foolish, thoughtless way. We ought to think about how these commandments ought to be carried out. So here's what it, So that's a little bit about what it means to honor. Let's go now to the next step because he says, Honor thy father and thy mother. So here's the focus, thy father and thy mother. Now, the primary application, I think, is plain and obvious. That children, uh, if you have a father and a mother, that you are to honor them. Uh, that is your first relationship. It is, at this point, your most important relationship. Your relationship to your parents is more important than your relationship to your friends. Now, I know what the tendency is, uh, children, because I was right where you are not too long ago, and my tendency was always to have more regard for what my friends said than what my parents said. That was just the way it was. Sometimes you think, even when you're young, that you know better than daddy or mommy. And let me remind you that God has given you to your parents so that they can be the first, primarily, and most influential people in your life. That's God's design. Now, as we think about the, the spirit of the law, I think we have to dig a little deeper into the idea of a father and mother. Because as we study the Bible, we know that the idea of a father and mother applies more broadly than just to the father and the mother figure in the life of a child. We might say that it applies generally to a counselor. If you think back in Genesis chapter 45, you remember when Joseph was brought out of prison, he came to Pharaoh, and um, uh, he basically told Pharaoh what was going to happen. There was going to be seven years of plenty, then seven years of famine, and he basically counseled Pharaoh to say, well, here's what you need to do during the seven years of plenty. You need to gather, store, uh, so that the, the subsequent seven years of famine, you have plenty of food. And so Pharaoh says, well, I don't know of anybody that has more wisdom than this man in all the land of Egypt. And so he appointed uh, Joseph as the second in command. Now later in Genesis chapter 45, uh, when uh, uh, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, he says this to his brothers. And God, Genesis 45, 7, And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh. Did you catch that? Joseph said, God has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord in all of his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, in this capacity, here's what Joseph was to Pharaoh. He was his counselor. He was his advisor. He was the one that carried out what was best for the land of Egypt, what was best in the approach of the seven years of famine. And so we might think as a, a father figure in the Bible sense is really anybody who is a counselor to you. Anybody who can give you uh, something uh, that is helpful to you in the spiritual sense. And by the way, that's what Joseph was to Pharaoh. Uh, Pharaoh, lo listen to the wisdom. He says, I don't know of anybody that has that spirit in all of Egypt. 
Now, here's what happened. Here's what that means. Do you see? Pharaoh made himself subservient to Joseph. Not, not that Joseph was more powerful than Pharaoh. But that Pharaoh listened and submitted and carried out the counsel of Joseph. And in that sense, the Bible says that Joseph was father to Pharaoh. Now, if we go to the book of Judges, another interesting reference is um, when um, Judges 5-7, the inhabitants of the village ceased, they ceased in Israel until Deborah arose. She was one of the judges. And the Bible says that I arose a mother in Israel. Deborah is referred to as a mother in Israel. Well, why? Well, because she was a judge. Because she was at the same time a prophetess. We might even say because she was a leader. She was a guide. She may properly therefore be called, as she is in the Bible, a mother. We think about another one. We think about Elisha and Elijah. Um, in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 11... You remember when um, Elijah is going to be carried out to the, by the chariots of fire. When Elisha saw it, he cried, My father, my father. Um, just so we know, Elijah, Elijah was not Elisha's father. He had a father. Remember when uh, Elijah saw Elisha, he was plowing the field, and he, he told uh, Elijah, Well, let me tell my parents... And let's me set things in order, and then I'll come after you. And he did so. So he had his biological parents. But when Elijah was taken out, he says, My father, my father. Well, who was Elijah to Elijah? He was a teacher and a mentor. And he naturally, obviously, referred to him as my father. We may think then that my father here is not in the sense that he was his natural father, but in the sense that he was his mentor, his teacher, his leader. Actually, a little later on, it's interesting that uh, Elisha, when he was about to die, Joash came to his bedside and he knew that he was about to die. And he, Joash said to Elisha, my father, my father. Well, what does that mean? Well, Joash considered Elisha a spiritual guide and counselor. Now, on his deathbed, he told him the counsel, and Joash didn't do it. <laughs> but the point is, he considered him, nonetheless, his guide and counselor. And so Elisha was regarded as a father figure in the sense that he was a prophet, a spiritual guide, and a counselor to Joash. We can even think about Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32. The Bible says, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head. You know what that means? The gray head. The old head. Properly, the elderly. All right? That's, uh, I remember uh, I was telling myself, like, well, the, the, the old person, he says, don't refer to people as old, just say elderly. That's the more proper term. And he says, Notice, thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God, I am the Lord. So here, we might think about, generally speaking, an elder. Someone who has lived a long life, longer than us, can be considered, notice, a father figure. But I think the greatest of all is the book of Malachi chapter 1 verse 6 says this, a son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? 
That's God speaking. He says, you honor your earthly father. You honor your uh, master. Well, if I am your heavenly father, where is the honor for me? If I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priest, that despise my name. And they say, where, wherein have we despised thy name? And so the Lord, in this sense, is our Father. And by the way, He is our Heavenly Father. The Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And by, uh, by, by that truth, we cry, Abba, Father. And so in this sense, God is our father. And so what I believe here, here let's make the application, who is thy father and thy mother? The primary application is that that's your parents. But I, I believe there's a broader application. And that is anybody who is a spiritual counselor. Someone who is a good advisor. Someone who is a teacher and a mentor. Someone who is a spiritual guide and a counselor. Someone, by the way, who is an elder. And by the way, it's important also for children to speak to adults. Let me say that again. It's important for children to speak with adults. It will help them. It will develop them. It will sharpen them. It will impart wisdom to them. One of my greatest regrets as a young person is to not have done that. Because now I love it. When I first moved to Dover, Delaware... I stayed with uh, the Waltons, and they, they used to own a farm. Now he's retired, and he used to grow asparagus and all kinds of different things in Delaware, down south, and they live in Magnolia, and uh, was a farmer for many years. And uh, I would come back when I came on the staff of Capital Baptist Church, and I lived with him for, before we were married for a few months, and I would just love to come back at night to the house, and here was Brother Walton sitting on the couch, and his wife, and we would just sit there for hours and talk. And I just love the wisdom. I just want to know about farming. And he talked me about all the, how he measured. Every day he would come in and he would say, here's how, how many inches rain today. And then he would talk about the acreage. He says, if you want to water the acreage without uh, running the sprinklers, then, well, they don't, it's not the sprinklers. It's, uh, what's that called there? Irrigation system. There you go. Uh, then you need this much water. And he would always, I mean, it's just amazing. And I just love talking. Talking about life experiences with elderly. It's, it's, it's wonderful. By the way, it's beneficial. I remember Brother Walton shared with me that two years in a row, hail came through Delaware and destroyed his crops. Two years in a row. By the way, that was, that was their livelihood. Farmers, they live until the, uh, you know, they, they spend money all year but then come harvest, that's where they make their money. And then they have to hold on to that for a whole year. So can you imagine you wait for the harvest, and then the harvest comes and everything is destroyed? But then to hear about his faith in God during that time. Oh, what a thrill. What a teaching moment of someone who basically depends on God for their livelihood. That's a blessing, just to be able to talk to someone like that. And so I believe here when you think about honoring is God brings people in our lives, children, God will bring people in your life and it could be your parents, it could be friends, it could be a Sunday school teacher, it could be a pastor, it could be a grandparent that God has brought them in your life to help you, to lead you, to counsel you and you ought to honor it, not 
reject it and despise it. But that is also true for adults. It is also true for adults. That we should never cease to learn, to be guided, to be advised, to be counseled. So that is, who is thy father and thy mother? But let's go into uh, the last point is, what is the promise about? If you notice with me in Exodus 20, and notice verse 12, he says, Honor thy father and thy mother. Here it is. Here's the, the promise that accompanies this commandment. That thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now, immediately here, we, we pause and we say, okay, oh, well, that means that if you honor your father and your mother, then you're going to live a long life. I don't think that that's what that command is teaching. If, uh, like what uh, Peter Masters already says, if we are seeking the longevity and stability of families or society at large, then the most important factor is the fifth commandment. If this surprises us, it is because we have greatly underestimated the meaning and the value of this part of God's holy and marvelous law. If you hold your place here, go with me to the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 5. Deuteronomy 5 is when the law is reiterated by Moses to the next generation. Remember that first generation passed into the wilderness. The next generation comes on the scene. They're the ones that are going to enter the, to, into the promised land. And Deuteronomy chapter 5, notice verse 16. Here's that commandment spoken of again. Deuteronomy 5, 16. Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now I want you to notice here, please take note of what is often overlooked in this commandment. Genesis 20 verse 12 says, that thy days may be long upon the land. Deuteronomy 5.16, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So here I do not believe that the chief emphasis of the promise is the promise of a long life. The chief fulfillment of this promise is not about the lifespan of the individual, but the span of years for which the nation of Israel would occupy the land. That it may be well with thee in the land. In other words, here's what he says. If you fail to keep that commandment, there's going to come a time when the nation is going to collapse. And if you just learn to honor your father and your mother, it's going to be well with you. So I don't think he's talking here about you're just going to have a long life. By the way, I know some people who've honored their parents who've died young. I don't think that that is what the command is teaching here. He's talking about national. Remember, those commandments originally are given to the nation of Israel. They've been redeemed out of Egypt and bondage. They're about to go into the promised land. Those commandments are given primarily to them in connection to the land. And he attaches a promise with regard to the longevity of them being prosperous in the land if that commandment is carried out. Here's what one commentator said. The promise says that the Israelites would enjoy a long and stable occupation of that great tract of land if they observed God's commandment to give honor and reverence to the parental generation, giving due respect to their teaching, leadership, and experience. 
While the commandment is addressed to individuals, the promise undoubtedly refers chiefly to the stability and longevity of the family or the social unit. Obedience to this command meant that God would bless and that they would have a well-ordered and secure society which would not degenerate into chaos, undiscipline, and dissipation. By the way, when Paul quotes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 5. He says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment and promise. And here's what he says, That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Now, do you see that? In other words, the spirit of the law, it's not limited just to Israel. That command can be carried out to the New Testament, to those who are in the church. But notice, that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live long on the earth. In other words, all of civilization is built on the family. If you go to the top and you see how reckless uh, those in leadership are, well, you have to go back down and say, well, there's probably a problem in society. And the reason why there's a problem in society is because there's a problem in the church. And the reason why there's a problem in the church is because there's a problem in the families. It goes right back down to the family. If that commandment is not faithfully obeyed and carried out, you are ensuring, you are ensuring the destruction of civilization. Now, we know that to be true. You see, God counts it a great sin when offspring are headstrong, ungrateful, callous, disregarding the elderly, and denying them respect and concern and support. By the way, you have countries now who basically are passing laws to discard and to kill off the elderly. Canada is actually passing laws right now to basically wipe away the elderly because they're a burden on society. And they don't recognize the treasure that they are. Well, by the way, that's coming to America. But what does 2 Timothy 3.1 tells us? It tells us this. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fears, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Do you notice in the midst of this, he says that the last days, how do you describe the last days when Everything is going to collapse. They're going to be disobedient to parents. The fifth commandment will be completely stripped away from society. It will no longer exist. It will no longer be valued. It will no longer be carried out. You see, when you have that command that it may be well with thee, I think we're talking about a much broader scope of understanding in this sense. My father, uh, he still says this, but he told me this. He says, I, I will know that I raised you right when I see my grandchildren. That's what he said. And then he said, 
I'll know that, I, that you raise your children right when I see my great-grandchildren. Do we understand the importance of this command? By the way, we could think about just for society at large, but we could think about even the church. Why is society collapsing around us? Look around. Man, the next generations are completely out of control. There's no sense of respect, of reverence, of anything. For I mean, we have the new generations are trying to think about even the founding of our country. They're trying to strip away everything that our country was founded on. Because those younger generations that know absolutely nothing think that they have the answers. And they're completely foolish and they're wrecking the country. And they will wreck the country, by the way, because they're going to be the next leaders. Now, say, Pastor, give us a word of encouragement. <laughs> Noah lived during a day when the Bible says that every imagination of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. Talk about a depraved society. But Noah walked with God. See, it doesn't matter if society doesn't teach this fifth commandment. We better teach it to our children. Honor thy father and thy mother. And by the way, why is it so important to teach it to our children? Because I want to teach my children to, uh, and to obey this commandment, to teach them the importance of that because, and I've told my children this, that if you don't learn to obey me, you will never obey God. And I want them to obey me because they probably most likely will not be in the church, in my church, when they grow up, the church that I'm at. They might be in somebody else's church. But guess what? Whatever the preacher is when he stands behind the pulpit, if he's a preacher of the word, I want them to be able to have the Spirit of God speak to them and to be counseled and encouraged and strengthened by a man of God and by a counselor. And I want them to regard somebody, their grandparents. I love the fact that both of our grandparents, both of our our parents, uh, love the Lord. And I want our children to be able to be influenced by them. And that's a wonderful thing. And so I hope that we think about not just the letter of this commandment, but the the spirit of this commandment. Honor thy father and thy mother. So children, what are you supposed to do? All right, let's do it synchronized all together. So I'll say the command once and then you repeat after me. Honor thy father and thy mother. Now think about it. The health of this church and society at large is dependent on you being obedient to that command. I'm not trying to put a burden on you, but that's the truth from God's word.